Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at 1 Samuel chapter 29, another short chapter. And, uh, you know, the Philistines reject David, or uh, perhaps we might title it, David Doesn't War with Saul After All. It looked like in the previous chapter, like this was going to be a really uh, big problem in this coming chapter, the one we're looking at today, that David was going to, well, I mean, he's with the Philistines, so when the Philistines go to war, that means, so it looked like it was going to be perhaps just a disaster. But um, this is really interesting how you have God actually working through the other Philistine leaders rejecting him. So another one of these kind of paradoxical and uh, ironic chapters where the rejection of men actually ends up furthering the cause and purposes of God. So just uh, another cool chapter in terms of just kind of the theme and the, the way the story progresses too, and just kind of this relationship that you see also developing between um, Achish and, and David and, and the kind of conversation that they have. So a lot of cool stuff to be looking at today. Uh, as we get started, I, we always do. Let's go ahead and just say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us to the beginning of this week, to the beginning of our of our work and our tasks, and the things that we look to accomplish uh, with these next days before we meet together again on the Lord's Day as your as your body, as one family. We ask that you would give us the strength and energy we need, and as a part of that, that you would feed us this daily bread of your word and your scripture, uh, that we would be enabled to do the work that you prepared in advance for us to do. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. All right, so, uh, and, and I think this is, like, as, we, as we've been seeing, these, these uh, chapters with David, especially how he is rejected in these different capacities, really, I think, helps us identify with David, and, and you know, because we're not necessarily <laughs> all successful military generals, are we? Um, it didn't, didn't work out the way we had hoped, right? Uh, but so in these ways, we can relate to David, and we, we see, I think, a message for us and something that's very applicable for, for our lives as well, uh, as we see ourselves kind of in David, just finding ways to serve God, even when people aren't necessarily giving you the recognition or the credit. So here it is. Let's go ahead. Uh, chapter 29. We recall in chapter 28, uh, back at the beginning of the chapter, there was the comment about the uh, Philistines gathering to war. And so we saw how that would have been that confederacy of the, the five major Philistine groups, at least, if not more. Uh, but those five are mentioned uh, throughout 1 Samuel, that they would have all gotten in league together to go uh, to fight against Saul. Uh, Saul, of course, went to find the medium at Endor. Uh, he's, you know, shaking in his boots like, oh man, all, all the Philistines are all ganging up on me here. And uh, the very ominous prophecy of Samuel, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me, referring to the place of death. So uh, this, this chapter has been set up with some... Uh, uh, yeah, some very ominous signs. So here it is, chapter 29, then from the top. Now, the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Aphek, and the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel. 
as the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish, the commanders of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years? And since he deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him. And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send the man back, that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. He shall not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? Is not this David, of whom they sing to one another in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then Achish called David and said to him, as the Lord lives, you have been honest, and to me it seems right that you should march out in with me in the campaign, but for I have found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me to this day. Nevertheless, the lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peaceably, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And David said to Achish, But what have I done? And what have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now, that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my lord, the king? And Achish answered David and said, I know that you are as blameless in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to the battle. Now then, rise early in the morning with the servants of your lord who came with you, and start early in the morning and depart as soon as you have light. So David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines, but the Philistines went up to Jezreel. So, yeah, I think for me the thing that's just fascinating is the exchange that David and Achish have, um, because I, I think it may it makes the story more complicated than we uh, think that it would have been. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like. It's like, hey, like the Philistines aren't actually cool with David anymore, so David's got to, uh, you know, like go back to Israel or something like that, right? But that's absolutely not what happens. In fact, he goes back to, uh, he goes back to the land of the Philistines, back to Ziklag, right, that he was given by Achish, um, and so you you just get this impression, like, hang on a second. Um, so what what's going on here, and and why is David trying to convince Achish that he he does want to go fight against his his people against Israel, um, and, and so kind of like in the in this exchange, you're just kind of left wondering. Hey, I guess I guess David like is is still okay with Achish, and Achish is still good with him, but but David does want to fight against Israel. You know, so so anyway, so it just kind of complicates the whole matter. Um, just seeing here, I just got a note here. Ah, unfortunately, our guest for today is not available, but awesome thing for you guys listening live. That means that we've got lots of time for questions. So uh, I'll just go ahead and give you those numbers now. Uh, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. If you have any questions or comments, observations, funny David jokes, 
<laughs> you can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or you can hop on the live stream facebook.com slash aj espinosa uh so we'll we'll just go ahead and proceed with my questions until <laughs> until we get some others uh let me, let me see here there is one on facebook here um what if the other Philistine leaders are right and David was planning something? David's very ambiguous in his previous answers. I'll show you what I can do. I'll serve my Lord. Oh, that's actually a delightful suggestion. Um, let, let's actually go back here, uh, back in the previous chapters here. So back in chapter 28. You know, I had noticed that too, like what, what he said. that that was It struck me when he said that to Akish. So this is back in the first part because uh, David kind of comes onto the scene in, in 28 and just leaves like right away, it seems. Um, yeah, so verse 2 of previous chapter 28, David said to Achish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. See, I, I read that as like, um, you know, like, okay, you're going to you're gonna see, you know, me in battle. Like you're, you're going to get to see like just what kind of, damage i can do to your enemies you know firsthand because that's it's interesting too right because we we know um from earlier even be, before that chapter that david had been going out and raiding all these different well i mean enemies of god's people right like the amalekites um, and bringing back all this stuff uh to achish but achish didn't see any of this right he didn't see uh, the raids actually take place and in fact like he was just you know having to take david at his word and just, well, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff, a bunch of loot that he was coming back with. So obviously he did go raiding and uh, it was profitable. Um, it's just, again, like so funny, like, you know, where would you go raiding today? Um, so he knows that much, but he hasn't actually seen David firsthand. And so this would be, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because it says, you know, he makes him his bodyguard, whatever that exactly means, you know, and it's hard to be sure with this different cultural context right um but so it, it could be that you know uh he's never actually seen david uh fight firsthand uh that's possible uh, or you know yeah it could be maybe it doesn't mean that at all maybe actually in the course of being akish's bodyguard you know he has actually seen david firsthand um in combat but david's uh being kind of sneaky here and saying like you know hey you know tomorrow or you know uh, when we go out to to fight, you'll really see what I can do. Like <laughs> like he's got something planned. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's not bad. I mean, like it really though highlights just how sneaky then David is in this chapter in First Samuel twenty nine. So let, let's take a look at this again. Um, so it says here the Philistines had gathered all their forces um, at Aphek. Um, it's another one of those unjustified blue perfects. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just they, they gathered all their forces. Like the, the, you know, so in the previous chapter, they were like, you know, all like uh, calling for a congregation to happen, right? Um, but like now they actually have everyone there. So you got your, your two sides lined up uh, very much like with uh, chapter 17 with Goliath, right? Just kind of the two um, sides, you know, this is a common in ancient combat, right? To just kind of line up on opposite sides, right across from each other very conveniently. Makes it easier to aim, right? Um, and then, so you get this here. Yeah, the, the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands. 
Uh, you see that just very commonly, the, the, the hundreds and the thousands. It, it, it seems that just uh, again and again, there were uh, groups of uh, 100 and groups of like roughly a 1,000. So I don't, uh, we've already talked about this, but something like, I don't know, like, is it like a squad or, or a section or something like that? Maybe a little bit bigger than that. Maybe a platoon. Yeah, maybe it's like a platoon and then like a battalion or something like this. And, and so, uh, yeah, that's that's all pretty consistent. Um, and so, yeah, so they're they're going through, and David, as a leader of a thousand, as a battalion leader, as a captain, you know, something along these lines, it would have been pretty prominent. Um, you know, we 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 haven't had a chance to talk about like the numbers and that much detail, but I mean, I would say that you look at all this stuff in First Samuel, Judges, Numbers, and we're talking about when when they muster an army. Like it's somewhere between maybe like twenty and forty thousand men, so a leader of a thousand is actually really pretty significant, right? Like you know David's, I mean you know in your top like twenty to forty, uh, in leadership basically at that level. So it's very likely um, that the lords of the Philistines, right? These like these big five, um, would would have gotten a clear view, and to, and David would have been very prominent. Um, even in this context. So, so yeah, then it's like, hey, what are these Hebrews doing here? And it is a uh, Hebrews plural, right? Because it's David and um, his men, right? I mean, we, we recall that David and his men, um, even his wives, right? They were all just living in Ziklag together there with the Philistines. And so, you know, Achish is used to this, <laughs> but the Philistines are like, whoa, what on earth is David doing here? Um, so in, th in that situation, uh, th then, then you get this, uh, and it's interesting here since he deserted to me, right? Um, so this again, Achish's assumption that, uh, David must've had a huge falling out and they, they must hate him now back in Israel, uh, because he keeps raiding, um, them, um, he's been lied to, which is just something cause he says, you know, I find no fault in him to this day. So th this, I think, is getting really ironic then because, you know, Akish is going to keep saying, David, you're blameless. And David, I tried to convince them to let you go, but, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, they, they just think you're up to something. And it's just that they, they, that's just totally wrong, David. You've only been honest with me. And David's like, of course, my Lord, I've only been honest with you. Uh, so 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 here it is, right? Um, you, you, you go over here then to... Right, so they, they quote the song, right? That's 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 funny in verse five. That song that Saul uh, decided he didn't like, right? That he decided he was going to put the kibosh on. No more singing that song. Um, but then, but then, yeah. So here you go, right? Um, Achish breaks the news to David. David, I'm sorry. I know you wanted to go fight, uh, but I've uh, you know, and I can't find anything wrong with you, you know. So there's a second mention of his innocence. Uh, but nevertheless, I don't approve of you, right? Okay, and then it's just, this gets fantastic. Then verse 8, uh, David said to Achish, but what have I done? <laughs> right? And so, and then in, verse, in the verse 9, like, I know that you are as blameless as I so good. So the, up through verse 9, already four mentions of his innocence, right? Like, oh, but David has only been the most loyal subject to Achish this whole time. And I mean, and isn't this something, right? What David says, like, what have I done? I mean, how 
uh, I mean, you know, the gall of David here, you know, what have I done? Well, I've been systematically lying to you <laughs> as long as I've been in your service, right? Like, you know, I've, I've been, I've been doing all these raids and I've actually been, um, strengthening the position of Israel this whole time, right underneath your nose. But what have I done, Akish, right? I mean, that, that's really, uh, I don't know. I mean, that, that's just kind of it for me in verse A. It's like, David's just, okay, um, yeah, just kind of going for it here. Um, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> just looking at another comment on Facebook here saying, uh, was uh, slain his thousands, a song sweeping the airwaves of Israel and, uh, and the Philistines back in the day. You know, I think, I think that might've been the, the, the first thing that went viral, right? The first song, right? Just uh, gotta imagine how, how catchy that ditty must've been. Um, but, but yeah, so, I mean, it's just really something here that, that David's just kind of playing this up. Right. Um, and, and, and I don't know, like when, when you think of it that way, you think to yourself, wow, does this kind of undermine David's credibility elsewhere? Right. Um, because he's this, this whole, like, what have I done? Right. Isn't this what he has said to Saul kind of like multiple times? Um, so, you know, you go back to, uh, their last encounter back in uh, chapter 26, right? And uh, let me see here. I, I think this is like almost exactly um, how, yeah, yeah, no, that's right. So what, what's he say? So this is uh, chapter 26, back in chapter 26, verse 18. David, why does my Lord pursue after his servant? For what have I done? What evil is on my hands? Right. So, I mean, like, so this is a very, very similar language, uh, you know, like where he's here, you know, like what, what have I done? Uh, what he says to, to Achish here in verse A, right? I'm just going to look at the Hebrew really quick here. So, kimeasiti. Yeah, kimeasiti. It's like, yeah, what, what have I, what have I, what have I done? Um, Yeah, no, and it's just like it's it's just two words in, in Hebrew, really. It's like what I do. <laughs> it, it's it's a uh, it's a it's it's very straightforward. Um, but then you compare that to what he says in chapter twenty six to Saul, right? And so there it's uh, so there it's kind of more like why it's like you know, right? So why is your uh, yeah, why does my lord pursue after his servant? And then, ooh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's actually the same two words there. What what I do? <laughs> what have I done? So this is really fascinating, actually, that he would use the same phrase here in, in chapter 29, uh, where he's saying it ironically, because we know what he's done. He's been deceiving Akish right underneath his nose for, for years. Um, but there, when he's asking that to Saul, he's presumably doing it in innocence, right? Like, what have I done, Saul? Well, I, I haven't done anything to you. So that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's interesting. I guess, like, I feel like the, the two directions that points me in are either A, that actually maybe David kind of had done <laughs> some things to Saul that mm, it might merit uh, Saul being upset about it. But, but, but the point is really kind of like, less well you know i've 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 been perfect right I've, uh, I've been an angel though ironically that is what akish says right uh, and, and just more like hey i haven't done anything to deserve this kind of treatment right 
So maybe it means something more like that. And that's, I think, where you kind of get into the interpretations that are out there that, you know, uh, David took Ahinoam, uh, wife of Saul, right? Which is, you know, not... I mean, it's not unimaginable given the things that the text says. And we're going to see in Second Samuel that you have that mention about um, having been given Saul's wives. I, I don't think it... I don't think it's actually like the most consistent picture then. So what what I think then, the other, I think option B is that when David is saying this to Achish, um, I think he's basically saying actually, not like ironically, hey, you know, what do I do to you? <laughs> yeah, you know, what do I do to him if he only knew? Um, and I think it's more actually saying like, you know, hey, how have I wronged you? I really haven't, right? Because... And this, I think, kind of goes back to the question of, you know, like, how much of the truth uh, do uh, David, or earlier we saw this with Samuel, uh, how much of the truth do they owe these people, right? I, I mean, does does David actually owe Akish an explanation of his every movement and his whereabouts at every and all times, right? Um, I think that David actually might see this as, hey, you know what, like, I'm here, I'm paying my rent, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm giving uh, Akish his cut of the loot, right? Um, I don't need to tell him where I've been all this time. And and so and so I wonder, right, especially kind of seeing him as uh, ultimately an enemy, right? I mean, he's an enemy of, of God's people, right? Um, he's been fighting against Saul and Israel. So I wonder if to David, he's saying, hey, look, I've really kind of gone above and beyond my obligation and my loyalty to Akish. I don't owe him um, telling him absolutely every place I've been and where all this stuff came from. And so he might actually be saying this, I think, <clears throat> in his own eyes, at least, with a clean conscience, saying that, uh, you know, hey, I, I've done right by you. So wh what's going on? Uh, I've got a question here. Uh, on the phone, oh, Cheryl, be on the phone here, question, comment about this chapter, and uh, oh, how it relates to the next chapter. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cheryl, thanks Thanks for calling. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I was just looking at my Lutheran study Bible, and they had the heading for chapter 29 that David's rejected by the uh, Philistines. Yeah. And then um, and <laughs> chapter 30... That's when he is sent back to Ziglag, mm -hmm. and it says when he arrived there on the third day, he finds that all the people have been captured, including his wife. Yep. And then it says, uh, uh, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And it just seemed to me like chapter 29 had to happen. David had to be rejected by the Philistines because... The Lord God is going to strengthen him for his, he is going to be the, he's anointed to be the king, and yeah. the Lord God is in charge of all this, and he's going to strengthen David in himself. And just like it says in Romans 8, uh, 20, what is it, 23, or 28, Romans 8, 28, God's working it for Okay. Okay. Yeah. For, for our, for our good. Yeah. So now that, thank you, Cheryl. That's, that's a really interesting, uh, yeah. Comment idea there. 
Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think you, I think you do see this, right? That, and, and I was, I think I was getting to that, like, or something similar to this anyway earlier, but just how, you know, God is using these moments of rejection to actually, uh, oh, well, I mean, I mean, and you see this from the very beginning, right? It's just kind of everything that Saul does. Saul tries to, uh, you know, have David get killed, right? And it does the same move um, that David will copy later when it comes to Uriah the Hittite, right? Um, he goes and he puts David on the front lines and says, hey, look, you know, he'll get himself killed, right? Um, if he's so willing to go and impress Michal and all the rest of this, right? Um, and and what's that end up doing? Well, it just makes David more popular. So, I mean, just kind of at every turn, I think you you absolutely see that, that whether it's Saul or the Philistines or, or whoever, God uses all these people who align themselves as enemies against David to actually boost his Messiah and uh, further his plan purposes. So uh, thank you very much, uh, Cheryl. That's, uh, I appreciate the call. Uh, it's actually time for our break, but everybody, hold on. We're going to have more time for questions looking at 1 Samuel 29 here on Thy Strong Word in just a minute. Be right back. This has been quite a year, a lot of uncertainty, but there is one thing you can count on if you're a member of the Concordia Plans. Your benefits through the Concordia Plans are always with you to help keep you physically, emotionally, and financially healthy. Protect yourself and your family by signing up for your healthcare benefits, along with additional insurance and saving for retirement. Choose your 2021 benefits November 2nd through the 20th at concordiaplans.org slash myaccount. This week on Issues Etc., we'll talk with Dr. Anthony Esselin about the war on reality. We'll discuss prayer with Pastor David Peterson, and we'll continue our series with Pastor Sean Denzer about the things we see in church. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. I'm listening to you on my Kindle here in Great Falls, Virginia. I just want to thank you so much for the beautiful music, and I'm so thankful for you. God bless you and keep you in your good work. Thanks again. Bye-bye. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 29 here today, though we've already made a few good connections to, to the next chapter uh, with Cheryl's call. Uh, good, good idea there, connecting that to what happens in the next chapter. David has to—I mean, it really is something, right? Like, David it actually has to be moved away from Ziklag, right? Has to leave his wives uh, behind, um, and then— has to go back in order for this like uh, for this moment to happen then where in the next chapter we're going to see this how he he finds that the uh, the Amalekites have come and done this right so uh, and the Amalekites 
going to be causing a few problems we're going to see. Uh, we also made some connections to some previous chapters already, and uh, so this, is, this has been good connecting some dots. Uh, please, if you do have any questions or comments and you're listening live, we got our, our phone numbers, you got the email address, kfuo at kfuo.org. Uh, you can also get on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa, uh, where we have a, another question here. Uh, before we get to that, I want to make sure to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Thank you guys for underwriting Thy Strong Word. Uh, so yeah, the question on Facebook then. Do we have any idea why the Philistines are attacking in the north? It ends up not working out well for either the Philistines or the Israelites with the Amalekite raiders coming in. Okay, did I did I miss something here? I need to think about. I need I need a map. Where's a map? <laughs> um, so it says here the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Okay, well. But I guess, is that what we're thinking is like up north? Because, yeah, I mean, Jezreel, we're talking up by Issachar then. But uh, we we saw earlier, I'm trying to think where that was, the comment about Ahinoam, right? Um, trying to recall where that was now. Because it was right with uh, the, the whole episode with Nabal, right? That at the end of the chapter, we get the note. That, that he married a Hinnom of, and I want to say it was Jezreel, if I'm not getting my wires crossed. Uh, so there it is, chapter 25. Yeah, see, so David also took a Hinnom of Jezreel. And so I think that there's like this suggestion here, and, and uh, yeah, and it, it cites uh, Joshua 15, where it lists uh, Jezreel among a number of cities of Judah, right? So... I mean, I mean, I suppose, relatively speaking, that could be further north than than maybe we might think. I mean, like Gath or something, right? Uh, but it seems like then they're attacking in Judah, uh, the Jez- Jezreel of Judah, and not Jezreel like up, up up north. So I don't know. That's what I would have thought, but maybe I just am confused and need a map. So we can follow up on that <laughs> if, if you have any uh, thoughts on that, Paul. Uh, yeah, but 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 a good question here. Just kind of trying to make sure we're lining everything up. That that's 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 how I was taking it. That they were lining up in in Judah in the south, which is I think where they'd be fighting most of the time, probably um, somewhere like around that area, anyway. But so uh, yeah, I think before the break we were talking about this here. So uh, back in chapter twenty nine, then verse eight. You know, David's like, you know, what have I done? Same thing he said to Saul. And it's true that he hasn't been totally honest with Achish, but is David actually just saying this in a good conscience? Like, hey, you know, I've really fulfilled my obligations to you. I've been giving you all of this. I've been protecting you, right? Um, which I, I think is actually then not not as much of a, a, as a, much of a cop-out. Like, I don't think it's like, oh, well, see, so— like David's doing some good things, so it's okay that he tells some lies. Like I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like I, I think this is just interesting as a um, as a real moment of of David finding clarity in the midst of a lot of ambiguity, right? Um, that actually there is a way that David can, with a clean conscience, serve <laughs> this Lord of the Philistines faithfully, right? Protect him, respect him. Um, you know, give give him a, a share, like the rightful share of the plunder, right? And kind of pay his taxes, pay his dues, right? Do all those things, right? Uh, 
But yet at the same time as being loyal to Akish, he's also, yeah, he is actually, um, you know, lying about where he's actually raiding because he's ultimately um, in allegiance to God, Israel, the God of Israel. So, I, I mean, like that, that picture of loyalty and, and respect and uh, obedience and even submissiveness, right? But within the context of a broader obedience, I, I think that's, I think, I don't know, the, to me that, that, that resonates. That, that feels like the New Testament where um, you, you have the early church obeying the civil authorities as much as possible, right? As much as it as they possibly can, they will they will show reverence. They will pay taxes. They will they will do. Um, they will they will obey. They will serve. But at the end of the day, when there is actually conflict between their allegiance to these temporal authorities and their allegiance to God, well, it means that we're going to obey God first. And, and so th- that that spirit of you know, uh, I, I guess this willingness to be submissive. To even the the pagan authorities that contradict God, right? That that kind of submissiveness, I, I think that's just something that we, we can't overlook. I mean, I think there's just something that's so really distinctively Christian about that, because I mean, and you just just look at our culture and our times today, right? Like it's just, well, oh well, we have God, and you guys are all these, you know you know, God, godless libs or something like this, right? And so th- that that all of a sudden turns into this justification for, well, we're not going to, like, pay taxes because taxes get used for all kinds of bad things, and we're going to resist the government because it's all overreach and authoritarian totalitarianism, right? And so it just turns into this, like, well, because we have God, we don't really have to, like, listen to the government or support the government or uh, be respectful towards the leaders in power, right? We can slander the governor of, of the state or whatever the case may be um yeah right like it just it just doesn't seem the, the same right that that david or lord jesus or the first disciples that they had like a real submissiveness and yeah they ultimately at the end of the day they, they were going to disobey when it came down to it when they absolutely had to but until that point um they they would not so um, I don't know. That, that, that's just me, like where, where my mind's going here. That, like, I think that David actually is not saying this ironically, either here or when he was talking to Saul, that he doesn't feel like he has wronged Achish. Okay, yeah, no, he hasn't. He hasn't given him um, the complete facts, and he hasn't been totally honest. Okay, fine, but he hasn't wronged him. Uh, Achish hasn't suffered because of anything that David did. I, I think this is actually a valid distinction. Um, so so then okay fine let's just let's just say this um so he's been loyal um he he hasn't wronged Akish. okay but so what's david doing here then um <laughs> it says here uh you know what have what what have you found in your servant from the day i entered your service until now that i may not go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king right i mean why is david lobbying <laughs> to get himself um, into the battle against Israel, you know. So, so that that I think is maybe like the biggest challenge of this, because if he's actually with a clean conscience saying, "Yeah, no, Akish, I've I've been loyal to you. What have, I've done nothing wrong to you, right?" Um, then, if he's saying that, not just to say unironically, but 
honestly anyway, right? Without without dishonesty or deceit, then you'd think that in the second half of the sentence he's actually saying, you know, you know that that I would not go and fight against the enemies of my lord. Um well, you know, that's it's a good question and it's not it's not unnatural, right? I mean, like if if you I think go to somebody and you say, "Well, hang on a second. What what did I do so that I can't do this?" I think in our context, we would totally hear that as, "Hey, cuz I want to go do this." <laughs> right? Like, why can't you know, it's like, you know, you say like, "Well, why can't I go?" or "Well, you know, why can't I come?" or "Why can't I do this?" right? Cuz you want to do that thing. Um is David necessarily implying that he wants to go fight Saul on the battlefield, right? I think that if we look at everything that David said and done so far, we would say, no, he does not actually want to go and fight Saul. So let's take a closer look at the language here. Um, so it says here, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So up till this day that, hmm, interesting. Yeah, so that I would not, like, it really kind of says, okay, okay, huh. I'm looking at this, and I think it says that I would not, like, come fight, you know, basically, like, alongside you. Um, Yeah, the enemies of my lord, the king. So that, that's interesting because, like, the, the forms here do not actually—here's actually one thing that's a little bit interesting. In Hebrew, um, there, there are some forms here that will sometimes take an extra— um, letter at the end with this extra kind of ah ending and in these sorts of constructions it would indicate something that you want to do actually not not just that like you know we're just kind of discussing hypothetical possibilities but something like hey i actually wanted to do this you don't see that here and so um especially with th this this low avo construction in hebrew i wonder if it's like he's i mean he really is just simply asking hang on, did I do something so that I don't deserve to go? Or like, have I done something that, you know, uh, I'm not qualified to go anymore? So it, it might actually just not be that he's trying to like change Akish's mind as much as he's just saying, hang on, I didn't do something, did I, that would disqualify me? Let's look at some of the questions here that just came over the email that we just got. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. This David seems to be wiser than at any time in the narrative of 1 Samuel. Isn't David being very prudent? Um, a very prudent knight and a loyal bodyguard warrior to his lord. Um, yeah, I think I think so. Um, I, I think this is what we're talking about. He's showing himself to be both loyal to Israel and ultimately more loyal to Israel, um, but also, yeah, loyal to, to Achish. Um, is it serendipity that David is directed back to Ziklag, where his family and tribe need him, or the province of the Lord? Uh, provi yeah, the providence of God. Uh, yeah, I think that gets to Cheryl's question and uh, observation, right? And I think she's absolutely right that um, in, all in God's work here, he's directed these things so that he does go back. I mean, isn't that interesting? Because he could have gone to go and fight alongside Achish, right? And who knows how long he would have been out there. Um now, now to uh, you know, James, uh, your email here to where he is, uh, where his family and tribe need him. I mean, when when he, and this is like just kind of really jumping ahead now and talking about chapter thirty, but it's fine. 
Um, but yeah, so he, he goes over to Ziklag. I mean, and it says here it's been, it's, uh, you go ahead, it's been burned with fire. Uh, the women have been taken captive, right? So um, it's not necessarily like the people in Ziklag need him uh, to intervene. They've already suffered the damage. Um, but, right, he finds out about this, right? And it's because he finds out about this, and then it says, um, you know, what we what we saw there, uh, the the verse that, that Cheryl pointed out there in verse 6, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So by 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 seeing the, the devastation that had been wrought in Ziklag, by finding out about his wives being captured, this is what, you know, just strengthens his resolve. You know, it's like this moment of setting his face like flint, right? Um, and so it's because of that, now he's going to go off and um, go after these Amalekites, right? Um, and, and would he have gone after the Amalekites, right, if he hadn't been sent back home to Ziklag? So, yeah, no, I mean, I think this is definitely, this is this is God working through the rejection. He works through the rejection of David so that David would not have to fight against Saul. Because I think, and this is what I was trying to get to uh, just now looking at verse 8, I don't think David was actually wanting to go fight. Um I think that David was doing his best to be loyal to both uh, the God of Israel and to Achish. Uh, but I don't think that David was looking for a fight, and I don't think that David wanted to <laughs> get into the same battlefield with Saul. Uh, I think that if he had marched alongside Achish um, and he had actually encountered Saul on the battlefield, he would have avoided Saul, and he would not have fought him. I, I mean, like just the way that he's shown again and again, he's not going to touch this guy, literally. Uh, he already made the mistake of cutting his cutting the hem of his robe, right? And that was too much, heading, uh, cutting the hem of the robe. So, so I think I think yeah, that th- this is a uh, definitely God just working through all this. Um, he he uses the rejection to take David away from Saul, and then to make him realize and find out about the Amalekites and get him on the move uh, to deal with the Amalekites because it's actually going to be the Amalekites who end up being the bigger problem, as we're going to see. Um, so the other question is then, so is it the justice of God uh, against David for attacking the innocent tribe of Judah in the previous chapter? Well, no, 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 he didn't attack Judah, right? And this is, uh, we, I was trying to make this, uh, let's just, just be clear about this here. He told Achish he was attacking Judah. He didn't. He lied to Achish. He lied about attacking um, his his fellow Judeans, right? So, so back in um, chapter 20, where was it here? To get the get the bit about where he is uh, talking to Achish about this, so you uh, you go to verse eight of chapter twenty-seven. David and his men went up and made raids against the Geshrites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. Right, so those are the people he's actually raiding here. And then it says in verse ten, when Achish would ask. He says, oh, against the Negev of Judah or against uh, the Negev of the Jeremalites or against the Negev of the Kenites. So he's just saying that. All right, so no no judgment uh, against David, at least for that. Um, there will be judgment against David for some things that he does wrong. That's that's true, and that's, uh, that's yeah, definitely the case. Um, isn't David being a very faithful knight in this chapter when he follows the directives of his lord and goes back to Ziklag just because they tell him to leave does not mean he could have made a rear assault on the Philistines? Well, that's a fair point too, right? I mean, I guess he could have been like, you know, because Nabal insulted him earlier, right? When he didn't show him hospitality, he could have been offended. He could have said like, well, this is ridiculous. You guys aren't letting me march with you. And 
I mean, I don't know. I, he could have just joined the fray right there. Uh, he could have disobeyed and been like, you know what? This is a good chance to, to attack Saul and get rid of my enemy. So I'm just going to jump in here anyway. I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fair. So, yeah, no, I think that, that David is uh, kind of really left and right, actually showing himself to be paradoxically both loyal to God and to God's enemies, to put it in the strongest terms, the, the paradox, right? He, he's showing submissiveness and loyalty to both God and to God's enemies. Ultimately, though, um, to God, right? And I think this is the, the, the paradox of the, the Christian life. Um, <clears throat> so then turning back to the text here in verse 9, um, uh, yeah, so here's Akish again, just like talking about how blameless he is, right? Know that you're as blameless in my sight as an angel of God. <laughs> um, which is kind of interesting right there, right? Like, uh, that, 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 that Akish would say such a thing, right? Cause I know that we think of angels as like, I don't know, little babies with halos and stuff, right? Like we like the, like the picture of innocence, right? Like, uh, there's a brand of like, ice cream with halo tops, right? Like we, we, we think of, you know, like, oh, and like sweet as an angel, right? So innocent. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't know if <laughs> for Akish, it actually would have had that, um, kind of connotation. So it's kind of an interesting comment, um, to say that, I mean, kind of like, you know, like a messenger of God or like a, like a messenger of the gods. You know, you know, there is something though uh, about that, which I wonder about. This is kind of an interesting thought. In the ancient world, one of the worst sins you could commit was uh, mistreating a messenger. Right? That old phrase, "Don't shoot the messenger." Um, it, I think it even kind of testifies to this ancient practice that if you mistreated a messenger, that was just like the worst kind of impiety against the gods. Um, if, I, if memory serves, I mean, this is uh, one of the big motifs in the Iliad, because um, I th I want to say that Jupiter is, among other things, that is to say Zeus, um, like god of uh, like hospitality or, or uh, messengers. Of course, I mean, you have Mercury, right? Hermes, who is the messenger god himself. But that like there's something about Zeus that like you, you can't like attack a messenger without offending Zeus, right? Like the, the, the king of the gods, the father of the gods. So I, I think in the ancient world, there's this idea in a sense that you treat the messenger like he is blameless, he is innocent. The messenger can come and say all kinds of terrible things about what the enemy is going to do. Um, you can't touch the messenger though. The messenger is blameless. None of the blame resides on him. So, you know, I wonder if, if maybe that's where Akish is getting this, that it's like, you know, hey, you're blameless. Um, you know, we got bad news about you, right? Like the, the other Philistines aren't going to let you come, right? But that's not your fault. In the same way that dealing with a messenger, you'd say, well, yeah, but that's not your, your fault. You're just, you know, carrying the message. It doesn't matter if I like the message or not. So I wonder if that's actually where Akish is coming from, um, less that like, you know, David looks like a cute little angel boy <laughs> um, and, and more that it's like, this is kind of Akish's piety, right? Um, anyways, so the, so then, yeah, so then he tells him, yeah, so next morning, just, just go as soon as you have light. Um, I mean, I think that command to get out of here early, it's probably tied to the other Philistines that like, if they're not happy about David being there, I mean, who knows, right? 
um, how long before they would have potentially made an attempt on David's life or something like this, right? So, so he has to get out of there. Um, so the Philistines then it says they they go up to to Jezreel, um, which actually is kind of interesting too. That it says like, but the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Because actually, at the beginning of the chapter, it said that they went to Jezreel, right? Uh, no, 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 there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this all fits together nicely. It says the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Aphek, and then, yeah, they head off towards Jezreel. So it's pretty much like the morning comes, and it actually kind of seems like both of the movements are at the same time, right? So it's just like they were going to move at the morning light, so they need to also go in the opposite direction, at the morning light. So yeah, I know the chapter actually like fits out, uh, fits together and closes out very nicely in that regard. But yeah, I, I think then, um, just like, like as a, as a very interesting picture then of this, of this blamelessness of the, of the messenger. Right. Um, I, I think that's, that's actually a little bit of a good way to think about how we as Christians ought to be perceived by different authorities in the world. Um, and I think this actually um, ties nicely into the uh, epistle reading that we had from Philippians chapter 4 yesterday in the three-year lectionary. If you uh, if you guys follow the three-year lectionary, uh, you may recall that in church yesterday we had as our second reading, um, it's from the final chapter of Philippians chapter 4, there Paul says to the Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, you know, this let your reasonableness uh, be known to everyone. I mean, I, I think that's just really interesting as a way of, of Paul saying, like, look, you know, you're not going to make friends with everybody all the time. Um, some of the things that you're going to do as Christians are not going to be looked well upon, but everyone should be able to say, yeah, these guys, they're, they're reasonable. They, they, they get along. They're not troublemakers. They, they're, they're good people, right? And that's really what we ought to be aiming for. Um, and, and Paul elsewhere is going to speak about, um, you know, insofar as, as we have any say in the matter, right? live at peace and and quietness with your neighbors right so there there really is this paradox of of the christian life because on the one hand you know we're we're the, the light of the world right that's what christ says he calls you know he's called the light of the world and he calls us the light of the world and we know in john chapter 1 right that the light's not very well received by the darkness right so on the one hand we're like shining a light where people don't want it <laughs> to be shown um and so in that respect we're going to encounter resistance and people looking down on us and people rejecting us. Uh, and yet on the other hand, Paul is saying, Hey, look, you need to live in a way that shows submissiveness, that shows, uh, obedience, um, kindness to all these people so that they look at you and they say, you know what? Yeah. These Christians, like, we don't like some of the things they say. We don't like, uh, we, we don't agree on a number of their positions. Um, we, we think some of the stuff they do is just wrong, but, they're good people. We can't deny that. They're, they're good, honest, hardworking, tax-paying, you, you know, uh, will help you, 
like will stop their car, pull over and like, you know, help you if you're stuck on the side of the road kind of people. Um, and I, I think that's a fruitful question then for us then as we look at First uh, Samuel uh, 29, thinking of just how David shows this, right? Um, if that's what we're doing as Christians in our context, uh, especially in the West, in, uh, in America, um, because I think I would say that honestly Christians um, by uh, a number of people would be considered to be, I don't know, doing more harm than good, right? Um, and, and of course, that's you, you wonder to a certain extent is that just going to be inevitable, right? When you disagree on fundamental issues about like, you know, what constitutes a human life, right? Um, so that that's fair enough. But it, I, to me, it almost just feels like if we aren't doing enough other things that are seen as as good and kind and reasonable um, to the people that we're witnessing to, right? That, that they can't like see that and say, well, but they're not, they're not altogether bad, right? Like, oh, but you know, I, you know, that's a real big problem, disagreement, fundamental disagreement we have, but they're still, I'm not going to say they're bad people, right? I mean, and that, that just seems to indicate that something's not right, that, that we've, we've missed the mark somewhere here, that we ought to be doing more for people and not less. And we ought not to be uh, making the big fundamental issue like, oh, my rights are getting trampled upon. It needs to be more on how can I serve uh, these people because apparently I have not served them enough. I've not served them enough. And I, and I can't compromise on what my God has told me, right? I can't compromise the truth of God, but I can love them with faithfulness. I can love as Christ even loved and prayed for his enemies, right? And said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. I think David's showing that that kind of love and respect and reasonableness that you can show even to the enemies of God while still being loyal to God himself. And that way, he's pointing the way to Christ here. Well, good time for questions. Thank you guys for sending those in. Moving on to chapter 30 next time. David's wives are captured. Again, to read more about these pesky Amalekites. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word. Produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.